Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Purely Arsenal Podcast and I'm joined by Neil Shaw. How you doing, Neil? I'm good, thank you, Jack. How you doing? Good, mate. Bright and early for you, so I appreciate it. It's always appreciated, mate. No problem at all. And I've also got the BFG back himself, Garrett. How you doing, Garrett? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you? Good, mate. Good, mate. Can't wait to tackle uh, what went wrong at the weekend. Bound to uh, Stoke. Got eight, haven't you? But we'll get talking about it. Um, also, I've got lots of things happening at Football Purist, so here to tell you all about it and more. I've got Francisco with us, our co-founder. He's been doing big things with us. So he's going to explain a little bit about what's imminently happening at Football Purist. Over to you, Cisco. Hello, Jack. Hello, everybody. Hello to all of our listeners uh, all around the world. Listen, we're super excited about the new things that we have for Football Purist. We've been trying to revamp and rebrand uh, ourselves, not just our logo, but our website and and everything we do. Our community is so unique, and what we're trying to do with football uh, is so unique. We want it to be at this purest form. And uh, anyway, I'm here to talk to you guys about the new logo, the new website, the new everything. Fantastic, mate. So tell us a little bit more about the logo, the logo, Football Purist logo that people will be seeing coming out pretty much, you know, you know, by tomorrow latest. Um, you got the stars on the logo, you got a crowd of players. Um, what does it say about us? What does it say about Cisco, this, this logo? Yeah, listen, our, our current logo, our old logo, is, it was the F and the P with, in a circle. It really didn't say football much, and we wanted to represent our brand, represent our community, represent football itself. So why don't we start out with the shield, the shape of the logo. By the way, as we're talking about this, I recommend that everybody visits our website, footballpurists.com, and uh, look at the logo as we're talking through this. So let's start out with the shield. Um, the shield design is a, f- a football dates back uh, to the early ages of the game. Uh, just like family name of coat of arms, uh, it represents a family, it represents a community, and that's what we wanted with the shield. Then we will move to the stars. If you notice at the very top of the logo, there's three stars. And we wanted to represent the three pillars of what we believe in. Number one, the community, which is our family. Uh, you know, this beautiful family, this beautiful community we have of people that want to consume football at its purest form. Number two, uh, the sport of football. Without it, we wouldn't exist. And number three, the channel, Football Purist. We're bringing to you this in, this enjoyment and we're trying to enjoy the, the, the sport of football in its purest form. Then we move on to the middle of the logo. You notice there's a there's a group of supporters. You know, it, it's hard to find a sport out there and where the fans chant, fans wear scarves, and they pull up their scarves. They have tifos, they have flags, they have everything. And we really wanted to represent our supporters. We wanted to represent who we are and what sustained this whole thing. You know, then we move on to the very bottom. Uh, there is a ball and a date. Uh, the ball illustrates, of course, the most important piece of what we do, uh, which is the football. Uh, without it, this all of this would cease to exist. Uh, and number two, the date where it was established, 2014, and ever since then, we've been growing rapidly. Uh, and then last but not least, the name. I think, uh, you know, the football purist in the purest form, and we're called football purist because we wa- we're about the journey, not the destination. Winning is not the be-all, the end-all. Entertaining the fans and the people is the goal, and the purest fan who wants to see the game played the right way and that's who we are football purists perfectly put mate perfectly put and just lastly a few more things just before you go what else can we look forward to over the next sort of 24 48 hours or so at footballpurist.com and also with 
with purely Arsenal, and obviously we've got the Talkhorn podcast as well. What can we look forward to? So listen, the first things you guys notice, especially to all our faithful listeners, is there's new intros, right? So as you uh, joined the, the podcast today and you heard the intro is a little bit different, and we wanted to to excite you and we wanted to bring that excitement of football and everything that happened over the weekend and we wanted to create new intros and you also notice a new outro as you finish the podcast you also we notice a new logos for each podcast uh our two main podcasts that have new logos and we want to represent again the teams that we're talking about through these podcasts i think one of the biggest pieces uh that we'll be rolling out within the next 24 hours is not only all of our social media revamping of the rebranding and putting our new logo there, but the website. I think the website is our key component. First things first, let's start out. When you go to footballpurist.com, I'm sure you already did it. For those that, that followed my instructions, you notice that there was a pop-up. Don't get annoyed by it. It was only going to happen once. And through this pop-up, we're trying to, to coach you and teach you to how to add our website to your home screen. That way, it will look like an app. And instead of you having to go to Safari, uh, on your iPhone trying to look for our, our podcast or our website, you could just click on that app and it takes you directly. So follow the instructions of the pop-up and it will never come up again, I promise. Then, uh, you know, the main page is uh, of our latest posts and articles. You There you could find our latest articles, our latest po- podcast, and everything that we have going on live. Then the first page is the about page. It tells you all about our brand, who we are, and all of the 20 plus contributors that we have uh, sustaining this beautiful brand that we have going on. Secondly, the second page is the podcast page, and there's our two main podcasts, uh, Talk On for Liverpool fans and Purely Arsenal, this podcast for Arsenal fans. Uh, then you go on to the shop and listen, uh, Jack and, and, and our team that uh, and everybody that's listening. I know this is going to sound like a shameless plug, but reality is we need your support, not just by listening, but also monetarily. And instead of us asking you for a donation and walking away, we want to give you something back as you donate. So we have several different products. We have really, really cool products. We have a cool scarf. We have some some hats, a, a six-panel snap hat back. Now, we have a felt back for all the hipsters like myself out there. We have really cool four T-shirts, three gray and one white. They represent. They have our logo. One of them is the design of, of some football players. And listen, you know the prices aren't super jacked, jacked up. They're $25 for almost every item. Uh, flat shipping for everyone uh, in the UK and all over Europe as well as the United States. And again, guys, we, you know, this is a little bit shameless plug, but, you know, instead of asking for your donation, we want to give you something back. When you purchase something, uh, you're helping us sustain this beautiful community we have. And last but not, oh, by the way, one last thing I will say to this is right now we're just taking pre-orders uh, and we're going to start shipping September 30th. So go out there and please support us and buy some of these cool items that we have. And last but not least is the contact page. Of course, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your questions so we can talk about it on our podcast and our social media on our website. So please join us and uh, and please support us. And we're really, really excited for this rebranding that we're going through right now. Yeah, and I've seen some of that clothing and it's brilliant. If you believe in the the method and the theory of football purists, go ahead and get it. I'm going to be purchasing one for every week. I'm wearing it to work, to sleep in everything. And um, you, you, honestly, it's brilliant work, Cisco. So anything else before, before we let you go, mate? You've summed it up perfectly. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Listen, guys, we're really excited, and I think that we're going to see some we're going to see some uh, some of our community come to life now that we're giving us a face to it, and and we're you know we couldn't be more thrilled to do this today, right before the transfer window closes. Top man, Francisco. Speak to you soon, mate. All right, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Francisco. 
Thank you, Thank you guys. Alright guys, let's get back to the uh, purely Arsenal talk. I was trying to delay it for as long as we could, especially after the weekend we've all had. We know our weekends are a little bit, you know, more disappointing when Arsenal lose. Um, Neil, Garrett, we've had a chance to reflect on the game. I, I avoid all social media for about 48 hours after a game, so this is almost perfect, especially when we've lost, obviously, because um, it just goes all over the place, doesn't it? Um, Garrett, let's start with you, because I've not had you... Um, had you on for for a few weeks or since last season. Um, summarise that game for me, mate. Where where did it go wrong? Again, we struggled at Stoke, didn't we? Yeah, it's nothing really too surprising, is it? Uh, I feel like every time this fixture comes up on the list, we're we're always kind of doing what we can to avoid it, just talking about it, watching it, having to talk about it afterwards because it's always one of those really frustrating fixtures, and it kind of proves to uh, to keep the trend going and and be frustrating again and. Oh, goodness. I really don't know how to summarize it other than just one word, which is frustrating. And, and you can say what you would like about the team selection, or you could say what you would like about uh, finishing the chances that we created, or, or even the manager's decisions about substitutions or referee decisions. Uh, all in all, it's just a, a very frustrating evening. I, I really don't even know where to begin or, or how to properly analyze it even after a full day it's just kind of one of those one of those fixtures that i try to block out of my mind and watch it once and try to never go back yeah yeah it's frustrating i just rewatched the game about an hour ago neil i know you were looking at the game and, and the key part parts of the game again um concerns mate with the way you saw us play i thought we played good for for, for some spells but and there's a lot of decisions to talk about but what's your summary of the game um I, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one again because and it's disappointing. You know, we we were really enthusiastic at the start of the season. Uh, you know, uh, we were always positive and uh, thinking that uh, always me going on about this new formation and how it's done wonders and how it's going to help us go forward. And and then this happens and it's very very disappointing. Um, I mean, the way I saw it, I thought. We played good in pockets in terms of our intricate one, you know, quick passing. I think we, we were doing well. I mean, the, the stats in terms of possession, I mean, we had 77% of the possession. So it shows that we were, we were holding the ball and we, we were moving well with it when we were attacking. But for me, the key points was we just couldn't finish. Uh, the finishing was very lackluster. Um, I know there were some controversial decisions as well, which, uh, could have gone our way and, and that could have changed things. But overall, I think, the, the, we were we were less clinical in front of goal. Obviously, Leicester we scored four. We did so much better there. But in terms of our finishing against Stoke, I, I just think that's where we 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 lacked a little. I believe um, uh, again we've 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 spoken a lot about Xhaka and Ramsey's relationship in midfield, and and again they've been very good up until now. But I just felt, although I think Ramsey played played well, um, and we might speak about that a bit later, and he did some good things and his usual running and his engine was fantastic. Um, I believe they were leaving a lot of space. between. They were too far apart. They weren't compact enough. Their shape wasn't quite right. Um, and I think that was one of the reasons where uh, that led to the first goal, well, the, the only goal of the match, which cost us the three points. Um, and then defensively, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, again, we weren't strong enough. It, there, there seemed to be sort of lack of leadership I know we had the return of Mustafi but I'm not quite sure that that worked uh, on on Saturday um, as well as we thought it might uh, and, 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 I, and I just feel that you know defensively I think we, we should have been stronger we should have been more physical and more up for it and I just I just I just felt those were the kind of three factors which which led to the, you know us, us conceding 
and not pressing forward in oh well not finishing uh, good moves because there were some good moves let's not let's not deny that i know um people are very frustrated and they look at the game and they say it's the same old arsenal again and here we go and doom and gloom blah 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 yeah it doesn't bode well but you know i've, I've just watched the highlights and you know there were some good moves in there as well but we just couldn't uh, finish off off these good intricate moves so that's how i saw the game jack yeah, and there was within all that, Garrett, there was a lot of talking points. So I just want to go through. We'll come back to the lineup issues. Um, maybe we'll do it in reverse a little bit today. But first big talking point, Peter's handball, Mustafi header. For me, it wasn't intentional. There's a lot more to come in terms of decisions. Would you agree with that, Garrett, on that one? Yeah, I don't really know if that's one that we can be too upset about. I I feel like there's other referee decisions that definitely didn't go our way that, that were a bit more blatant in terms of how they affected us and our the momentum of the game and, and, and potentially the outcome of the game. Uh, I, I don't really know if that's one that we can hang our hat on is that's what losses the game. And, and I, I always hate to be the one that, that looks at referee decisions and, and really in any sport, but football, especially when uh, you look at it and say, well, the referee costs us a game, the game there when and necessarily it's true in the sense that, you know, we had some opportunities that were taken away from us to score or that we did score and was, and was wrongly pulled out. But, I mean, we, we created the chances to win this game. And like Neil said, we had the ball more than enough and, and had plenty of good moves to capitalize. And, and I felt there were times where we had momentum as a team and we just couldn't, I don't know, it, it wasn't necessarily even the final ball. It was just the final touch to put it in the back of the net that didn't necessarily always yeah, go that's away. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I agree with you on that decision as well. I think that would have been harsh if it was given against us or, or given against them. So I don't, But there are other ones that... That come up. We had, like you said, we had chances for early on for Bellerin and Welbeck. Welbeck just hasn't got his scoring boots on. He's not had them on for a while, in fairness, but he does everything around the game, Neil, very, very well. I, I, I like watching Welbeck. I feel like he's dangerous. I feel like he's a handful. But how long can we can we rely on a player who's who's not really doing it in front of goal? We we need to put away some of these chances, don't we, Neil? The point is, Jack, is paid to be a striker. Um, and yeah. I agree with everything that you said. Uh, we all have said it on the podcast time and time again that he does everything correctly. He's a hard worker. He can track back. He's strong. He's got pace. Um, and he can find himself in the right positions, as was evidenced on you know, Saturday. You know, there's no doubting about that. But for some reason, he's almost like he's, he's it's, to actually put the ball in the net. It's a bit of a arduous task for him I mean even the goal that he scored against Stoke you know it was a bit of a it wasn't the most of, of, of a, it wasn't a great you know a beautiful finish or anything it was a bit of a scrappy goal and you know we'll take it any time but against I just Leicester, feel yeah, yeah. yeah sorry against Leicester sorry beg your pardon yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it's, it's too early in the morning for me Jack sorry <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'd, I'd love it if it was against Stoke it should have yeah. been against Stoke sorry sorry yeah I'm thinking about <laughs> Gosh, that's embarrassing. Right, anyway, you're against Leicester, sorry, but correct me, correct me there. Um, yeah, I just feel that he he just needs to be more clinical. I thought getting that goal against Leicester, it may have, uh, you know, upped his confidence and thought, wait, it doesn't matter how they come, as long as the ball's in the net and I've got my name to the goal, that's going to give me confidence. And, and it just, it just, all right, I know he was a little bit unlucky. The goalkeeper made a, you know, that one good save. Was it the one where... Um, Oxlade floated a lovely ball in. I kind of can't remember whether that was the one for Ramsey or, or or Welbeck, but you know it was a good good save as well. He met the goalkeeper got made himself big and he got in the way of 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 the of the uh, the last as as Garrett said the last touch. But 
Um, I just feel that at times he's got to start putting the ball in the net a bit more frequently because at the end of the day, he is a striker and a striker we expect anything between 18 plus goals a season, especially someone who's, you know, he's, he's at the age where he should be scoring that many goals now. When you first start playing, you know, it might be take you a little bit of time. When you move to a new club, you might have to adjust and get used to, you know, new players and new systems and tactics, etc. But I think, you know, he's been there well enough. I know he's had his injury issues as well, but I think he's getting a good run now. And I, I just feel that he should start scoring a bit more frequently. So it is a little bit of a concern for me. I do like him. I wouldn't say, you know, stop playing him straight away and, and make room for someone else. I'm not suggesting that for a second. It is still very early in the season. Um, I, I, but he's got to start scoring a few more goals, Jack, converting a lot more of these chances that he's getting. Yeah, yeah. And um, we saw our fullbacks also, you know, oh, not our fullbacks, our wingbacks, if you like, Garrett. We're playing very attacking wingbacks at the moment, and we'll get to the, the formation of that, putting people in, in positions they're not comfortable in a lot on the back five. We'll get to that as well. Um, but Bellerin was through, and that one I felt we were a little bit harshly done by. Again, we're not looking at the referee as such, but we're looking at decision by decision. It was a game of decisions, decisions that we made in front of goal that we didn't take correctly, and also decisions that the referee had to make, and he had a lot of them to make. But I felt that was a penalty on Bellerin. I felt he got caught. He did push the ball, but I felt he got caught. I felt, I felt it was a clip. What do you think, Garrett? I, I, I completely agree, and I more so look at that one. If, if we compare the two penalty shots that we had that were a bit of leg clips, you know, we look at Welbeck's foul when, on his shooting leg as he was going back and, or maybe even going forward, but nonetheless, as he was going through on goal. And then we look at Bellerin's, I mean, I don't even know if he was trying to cut him slack. I think it was, his Juve or somebody that maybe misplayed the ball in the air. And yeah, he's, you know, all the pundits are saying, Oh, well, look, he pulled his leg back. Oh, well, I don't give a shit if he pulled his leg back. He still took the player down. It, it, to me, it's the same thing as if the keeper goes for the ball, but he pulls his hands back, but he still takes out the player. They call a penalty every time, right? It's not. It's not like it's. It's not like it's just because he uh, realized he was beat and then pulled back that the the incident is all of a sudden uh, non-existent. It still happened. So to me, that was. I mean, that was just a terrible decision to not award a penalty, and and, and I feel like the referee was also in the right position to make the call. I I don't know. What I mean, this is one of those things where you never know what's going on in someone's mind because, you know, to everybody else that's watching the match, um, you know, neutral or uh, biased aside, uh, they're looking at it as saying that's a penalty. And that's what's frustrating is because is that one of those one of those moments where we could, you know, have the opportunity to score a goal more than likely and, and really continue the momentum because Stoke were sitting so deep and and other than uh, us being at undisciplined in the midfield and losing the ball and hit them hitting us on the counter they're never going to break us down especially if we had a one nil lead so it, it's frustrating to to look at those incidents especially one like Bellerin's where I feel like maybe eight or nine times out of ten we're awarded a penalty and and you know we have some great penalty takers as we saw in the community shield so I like our chances to go up in that match yeah and surely and surely, just going on from that, Garrett, I mean, even if the referee, referee, as he said, was in a good position, but even if sometimes he's not in a good position, he's always got the lino to have a quick chat. Absolutely. With That's why you and, have and to he didn't, and he, Exactly. And he didn't even do that. And I, I've always been an advocate for having these, uh, I, I think it does happen to a certain extent, but having some sort of um, assessment on refereeing decisions as well and, and, and for the referees to be penalised, because I think, you know, this game is it's such, it's such a high level these days. There's so much involved for the fans, for the clubs, for everything involved, for everyone involved, really, 
that you know sometimes these decisions can be season breaking for a club and I, I just think something more should be done about it but I know that that's a completely different topic but that's the way I feel I just don't think yeah. enough is done on when, when we look at uh, the performances of referees I just don't think enough is being done when we're looking at such a uh, you know, a high-profile sport. It doesn't make any it's, sense to me. It's fr- it's frustrating because people will say, well, they hear the Arsenal fans go, again, they're losing their minds over one loss and it's early in the season. But how many points did we miss out on the Champions League by last by last season? Yeah. You know, it, it's, 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 fi- it's, fine, it's fine margins from it's, match it day one to match day 38. And, and when you look at the decisions that are completely out of your hands that strip away points or whatever it may be, um, it's frustrating. Yeah, and, and, you know, and this I, one, sorry, Tony, the problem with this sorry. one was it was, there was a multitude of, of, of chances and just none of them went our way, did they? Mm-hmm. They felt one, even just one changes the whole complexity of the game. We get that early goal with Bellerin's or, or Welbeck's on Zuma, which I thought was, we, the ref isn't going to give that, but it's really harsh on Welbeck because he's through there and he gets clipped and it, ru- it ruins him in front of goal and he's already not confident in front of goal. And, you know, just one of those decisions going, going our way. And in fairness, one or two really should have. So, but, um, yeah, they're going to call for video technology and, and, you call for it and keep we call, keep calling for it, don't we? Every every club does, but in situations like this, it really it does hurt a little bit more. Sorry, carry on, Neil. No, I was just going to say. I mean, it's just a shame because we haven't won our first two opening games since oh nine oh ten, I think. Um, yeah. You know, seven seven years or so, whatever it is. And it is important. I mean, I know it's early in the season, and we're not all gonna, we're not. I hope you know people who are have a little bit more logic and common sense aren't going to lose their heads over this completely, but. It's, it is always nice to get a good start because, because then you're not playing catch up. You know, we're already playing catch up. Look how May United have started. Two, two wins, four goals in each game, clean sheets in both. You know, it's, it's, they've already got a good goal difference. They've already three points ahead. And it, it's just that playing catch up again. It always puts you on the back foot. It would have been nice just for a change. You know, even if it was going to be a draw, just to get, some good points on the board early on in the first four or five games because then that 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 steers you in the right direction for the rest of the season at least then you know if you do have a couple of mishaps you've had a good start to have that foundation to build on so uh, it's just frustrating really mm, and when it's been so long but playing catch up <clears> for teams like this is just it's not what you want is it you want you want us to we don't seem that a team that we seem a team that needs a run, but we just—I just wish we had that run early in the season. It always seems to yeah, come late exactly. in the season, and it's just this. Like you said, it's frustrating, and we never really truly see ready for the start of the season. We spoke about this a little bit last week, um, Garrett, in terms of personnel. I felt this 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 week um, we would have made more changes with with Mertesaka being fit, um, etc. There are some questions coming in on, on that. So I'll get back to that. I, st- I keep wanting to go to it, but I'll get back to it in a second. Let's go to Jacka and Ramsey. Um, they obviously went into the second half. The decisions in the first half didn't go our way. Second half, we got caught cold, if you like. Um, Neil, got, talk me through that goal. I mean, it was Xhaka again giving the ball away. I mean, I think that's three times in, in the first two games Xhaka's given the ball away and it's led to a goal. Um, it was it was poor, wasn't it? It was sloppy. Yeah, it was. It was. It, I mean, that really was the the, the 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 start of it when he just it was a loose ball. I think he was aiming for Ozil, if I remember correctly. Um, gave the ball away, and then that just led to this this new debutant and and to to run through the the defence. I think a little bit too easy throughout the game that he was getting the opportunity to do so. I mean, he was obviously there to impress and make an impact straight away, and he did just that. Um, 
but I just felt, as I touched on it a little bit earlier, you know, even if you look at Ramsey's position, he was so far away from the play in the middle um, to even for, to, so if, if Shaka given the loose ball away and Ramsey had held his position, he could have been there to cover potentially. Um, the other thing that Shaka made a mistake on is if after giving the ball away, he tried to retrieve it. So it left a massive gap in the whole, you know, in the midfield for, for, for the uh, Stoke uh, attackers to, to, to expose and exploit. And, and yeah, I mean, after that, we saw what happened. Uh, Nacho could have done a bit better, um, but he didn't. It's, I think it was just this physicalness this closing down on attacks, I think that the defence were left wanting a lot uh, in that game. All right, we only conceded the one goal overall, but they had their fair share of chances. If Stoke had had their scoring boots on, they would have scored many goals, a few more goals as well, potentially, or at least had better opportunities to do, to do so. Because I just felt, I don't know, our defence was just a little bit wayward. It, the shape wasn't there, and they just weren't physical enough. But, I mean, that that's what it was. But I do think that, Unfortunately, we, we've spoken quite highly of Jacker as well, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to start again going against him. But yeah, he, I feel that it was predominantly him that was at fault for that goal, um, whether you guys agree with that or not, but that's how I saw it. Yeah, um, thoughts on the goal, Garrett? I don't know. I, I look at it and I, I, I see what you're saying, Neil, about, about Jacker being, you know, a little maybe overexcited to win the ball back, and essentially he doesn't. and you know, we, I think we've all come to realize at this point that Jack is not, you know, he might be a big dominant presence uh, in, in terms of his appearance, but he's not necessarily the greatest at winning the ball back. He might mm. get a tackle, he might get a tackle here and there, but he's not a very good tackler in general. That's why he seems to have such a record of getting sent yeah. off. But uh, regardless, I, I look at the way that our team is set up and, and w- it, personnel aside, we look at it with, with five defenders and two midfielders. And I think Ramsey is being directed to make late runs, break ahead of the striker, uh, give us more opportunities to score because uh, essentially that's what he's great at, right? Yeah. So so Ramsey's far up the pitch and and we give the ball away. I would like to think that a foundation of a, of a back five would be enough to compensate for a midfielder that's going to push forward. It's true. So, so I, I, I think that that's a lot. That, that weighs in the manager's mind in terms of sticking with this formation is because it caters to a player like Ramsey. It gives us more of a solid base uh, defensively in terms of the way that we set up the the back line. And I just think that there were multiple parties at fault for, mm. for that, for that goal. And, and, you know, Wanger finger said it himself. He, he wasn't necessarily convinced by the, by the defense, uh, the, the you know, yeah, the defensive par- partnership that he mm. had that day. And it's funny because we only give up the one goal, to stoke away and that wasn't enough for us to even gain a point but um you know most times uh one goal maybe away from home we can we can salvage that we can make something happen there uh i i just feel like maybe i, I just feel like the the personnel that were selected for that weren't necessarily in, in terms of our back five were the ones that shouldn't be in there i, I don't understand maybe um Jumping ahead, Jack, and you can cut no, me no, off. No, 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 I want you, I want you to talk about it because it's just obvious, isn't it, to talk about it? it yeah. It I, doesn't make sense. I mean, we have to, Wenger has to hold a lot of, lot of blame for this game, I feel, when I watch it because we look at it, we look at the Leicester game, we got away with it. We didn't give away that many chances, I agree with you, Garrett, and we're looking at the formation, we're giving, we are definitely giving away less chances and there was a reason for it against Le- Leicester. We, we, we couldn't, we, there was no other choice. Yeah, we for had no game, options. Yeah. For this game, though, you look at it, Mertesacker, right? 
Well, he doesn't need games. The cup final proved that. There is not an excuse not to put Mertesacker in this game. Not Mm -hmm. one excuse. Wenger's done it, and it's a huge gamble, and it's a gamble that he's he's failed at, and he's got to take... I'm sure he is, but he's got to take the responsibility for that. Monreal on that goal, he didn't know whether to stay or go because he's a flipping left back. That's why. Yeah, he's exactly. not a central defender. So he's, he's to blame, but he shouldn't be there. So you're absolutely yeah, exactly. right. I, that's, that's why I didn't want to talk about it because I knew I was going to go get angry and frustrated. But but you're absolutely right. Wenger has to take a huge part of the responsibility. Two, out of the back five, there's four people that are out of position. Bellerin's left wing back. Ox is right wing back, which we can say he's in position for, but he's not really. Holding, and then you've got two left back centre back, and there was no excuse to have that. Holding could have played, and he put him out of the squad, and Murtasaka could have played. It was, it was, it was a ludicrous decision to make, especially after gu- cutting it so close against Leicester. We knew it was mm. going to be harder away to Stoke. So mm-hmm. I carry on, Garrett. No, I just, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, we have a, a seasoned World Cup winning cup-winning professional in Per Mertesacker who, who is training every single day. It's not like he's he's just coming back from some major injury. I mean, he's back from his injury. He's rehabbed, he's training, and, and he's a part of the squad on a daily basis. So, it, like you said, it's not like he needs matches to be match fit. I mean, the guy knows what he has to do to be there mentally, physically, and, and trust me, Mertesacker, uh, if he's in Monreal's position... Uh, you know, I, I just have a feeling that we may win that ball back or at least be more organized when a team's breaking at us. We're, yeah. we're having teams break at us. They're sitting deep and then they win the ball back and they break past two midfielders and they're coming at a, essentially a right winger, a right wing back playing at left wing back who's probably positionally unaware, uh, a left wing back who wants to be a left winger and call a CNAC. And we've got um, Mustafi, who's pretty much the only player playing in position, and then Monreal, who is a left back. And I, I mean, I like my odds there if I'm the other team breaking at pace at a team that's playing uh, three, quote, center backs that have only played collectively probably 30 times in their career. And Mustafi is probably uh, the major uh, tallier there. You know what I mean? It's in, in Premier League matches. It's just, it's madness. I don't understand the the thought process behind that. I mean, you have a, a promising young player in Rob Holding who we sing praises for, and he had a rough match against against Leicester. But you know, Leicester uh, Stoke's not going to come at our back line the way Leicester did. They don't have the, the same type of players. So uh, he, Rob Holding, who's uncomfortable when teams press him, isn't going to be pressed at Stoke. I mean, we saw that happen right in front of our eyes. They played like the away team in their own stadium, and it, come, it happens time and again. So you have a, a, a player who's trained to play center back. You have a seasoned World Cup winning veteran that's sitting on the bench who could also play center back and, and mentor him throughout the game. And then you have a young, promising German center back, uh, Mustafi. I mean, I just don't understand. And then you have the Bundesliga uh, left wing back of the year playing at center back. Why don't you just playing at flipping center back or at left wing back? Yeah, I know. That's where it was, yeah, left wing back of the year. We're putting him out of position, and there's no need to. Sorry, I'm sad that it was just no need to. I agree with you. I can't fathom it. I, I was very, very frustrated. Obviously, hindsight's a great thing, but I was looking at it again. There's really no need this time. Against Leicester, we knew it was going to be a haphazard kind of lineup because, you know, that we had to deal with that. It was the cards we were, we were given, but there was no need in this game. We could have put, we could have put three, Set centre backs in that in that in that area. We didn't even need to put Monreal there if we didn't want to. No, and, um, I agree. And, and, I don't even and, think and Hol- Hol- Holding wasn't even on the bench, was he? 
Or no, am I wrong? No, he was. Do you know what it wow. is? It's it's a bit egotistical, you know. It's looking at it going, we, you know what? We don't need to worry so much about about defending. I think that's what it is. I think it's a bit. It's just a bit much for me. Complacent, it's, I it's think. Not, it's, yeah, it's a bit complacent. It's not. It's not regarding the defensive side of the game highly enough, you know, realising how important it is. And I think, mm. you know, Wenger has been guilty of that at times. At times he hasn't. At times he's done fantastic. He's he's turned players into fantastic centre-backs like Colo Torre, etc. But, you know, he, I just felt, you know, that, that reeked of just naivety, you know, and, and realising what, we, what we've been like in the past at Stoke. And mm-hmm. I just, it was very frustrating. And, but, no... I agree with you on that one. Um, we did we did bounce back well, Neil, after after the goal. I mean, we we created chances again, um, but again, couldn't put any away. Zuma handball. I felt that would have been harsh on on him as well. I don't know what you boys think. And then again, Welbeck's finishing was poor. Um, then the goal came to to Lacazette. There's a lot of talking points on this, Neil. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Just should it have stood? Um. Wow. I mean, technically, there was a toe offside. I mean, it's but it's ridiculous. I mean, for me, if the, if the, if the liner had judged it on that, then wow, he's got supervision for that for, to, to spot that at that pace. If you look at it just um, just with a with a naked eye and in in fast real time, you think he's he's in line. That's the way I see it. And um, I'd, I'd I'd be absolutely amazed if the lino actually called it on that tiny fraction uh, where his foot was just slightly you know in front of the defender um, I'll be absolutely amazed if he actually turned around and said yeah that's the reason why I called it offside I think he just I think personally he's made the wrong decision and he's just got away with it on a technicality if that makes any sense um, and and uh, but no I mean I I think I think I mean it, it, it was Giroud's first touch, wasn't it? Giroud came on. I think mm-hmm. it was his first touch. Very. That was I think it was. I'm, I may be wrong, but if, you know, whatever. I mean, it was a it was a fantastic little you know layoff, a uh, little like kind of almost like a chip to to Lacazette. But what a what a finish! I mean, you know, that if that had gone in, we could have even that could have given us this confidence, spurred us on to even potentially press for a winner. But right, I, I mean, I, I, and I think. I, yeah, I think for me, and, and I'm not, I don't know, people might turn around and say you're biased because you're an Arsenal fan, but I think the goal should have stood. I think that was too close of a call. If you look at the replays and you see it in a different angle, you know, you're talking about not even an inch that he's offside with his foot. And, I, and there's no way for me that the line over spotted that. I think he's just got, got it. He's, he's been lucky. He's, he's made the call probably in, in, in maybe it would have been, in, in reality, it was probably a mistake, but on a technicality, it was correct, if that makes sense. And I just, I just feel, I think the goal should have stood. And I think we've just been unlucky, but I've always said it. I've always said it that sometimes we'll get the luck where maybe we shouldn't have had it. And there's going to be times where we think we should have got the, the rub of the green or uh, the, 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 the decision, decision has gone against us where it, it you know, where, where it's cost us. And it's just part of the game. I feel that we can look at that particular incident and, and, and sort of get very upset about it. But overall, I feel that we just didn't have our finishing boots on during the game, Jack. Yeah. I'm, 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 that, that's the way I see it. No, no, fair enough. By letter of law, if you look at it, um, no, yeah, not basing it on whether the referee's eye could see that or not. By letter of law, when the ball was actually hit, I guess you know it is offside. But then you throw into account the deflection that came off the Stoke player, Garrett, and I'm not sure where we go with that. Um, are you able to clarify that for us? Because I'm not sure. I've looked at the law, law 11, read all about it. I can't find anything exactly on the deflection off a player. Um, uh, and what am I missing? 
Well, the only thing that I could think that the uh, line that the line official could have called was maybe he he thought that Ramsey had touched Giroud's flick, which mm-hmm. which then maybe Lacazette would have been off sides, but again, it would have been a fraction. I mean, just mm-hmm. a fraction, and exactly. and that and that's where I'm looking at it, saying that's that's the mistake that he made is is he misjudged a player's touch because it's Giroud's touch right. that that lets him through. While Ramsey's in the area, Ramsey, I think, may have gotten gotten a shout from Lacazette or something to leave it, and he leaves it, and Lacazette buries it. I mean, it's just what he does. He's been doing it time and again throughout his career, and I mean, all it takes is for this guy to get half a chance, and he's gonna he's gonna prove to us that he's a a proven finisher. So he gets his chance, he finishes the ball, and there we are, guys. How many times do we see this that this happens? Uh, We're struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. We're losing. Maybe it's a a frustrating nil nil. And then we get a goal, and we score three minutes later. I mean, it's all yeah. we need. Like the floodgates open. Yeah. So I mean, we can be frustrated um, that the uh, uh, I mean that the official didn't didn't make the call for the for the penalties, right, or the handballs. Uh, we can be frustrated by those things, but they happen every single week. You know, yeah. the the thing that frustrates me is that we lawfully put a ball in the back of the net. And it gets, mm. it gets taken away from us. That's what I get frustrated with because like you said, Neil, we struggled so mightily to finish opportunities that we had to, uh, on Saturday. I was going to say today. Yeah. Thank, thank God I didn't yeah. have to read today. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those things where, I mean, we do our, we do our job finally and the, the referee makes a, a wrong decision. And, you know, Jack, it's like you said earlier, it's like, Oh, one of these decisions has to go our way. Well, finally, when something did go our way, through through play, it it got taken away from us, and that's I think the source of my frustration uh, centered around a bunch of other frustrating aspects from that match. Yeah, because the way I saw it, Giroud flicked it, and then it hit a Stoke player, went on to Lacazette, and he scored. So I presume well, wouldn't that release him through anyway? Yeah, that, that's what I would have thought, but there is nothing in the law that states one or the other, uh, unless I'm missing it. So if you're if you're listening. Tweet us in. Maybe I'm missing it. I read the law qu- very quickly in the last sort of ten minutes before the podcast, just to kind of g- get a heads up on it. Nothing that says that if it deflects off an opponent's player, how that affects the offside decision. But surely it would negate it. And boom! It's, but I was sticking with Lacazette, Neil, uh, and Garrett. Let's go back to Neil. But sticking, I was actually really, really impressed with Lacazette. I won with that finish, but he he was coming a bit deeper than he liked to, especially early on in the first half and trying to get on his touches on the ball. And then when he got moved right, I thought he looked quite good as well. But I, like Garrett said, I feel like he can get a goal out of absolutely nothing. nothing. And we've not had a player like that. I know we did no. score, the goal didn't count, but let's look long-term here, big picture. You know, a guy that can just snap a, snap a finish like that, like it's nothing. He didn't even, he was like, I do that every week. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't even think anything of it. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about him, and I was, I was questioning him at the start of the season. And I'm, I'm, after the first two games, I'm, I'm much less so. What about you, Neil? No, I, 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 we, 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 did we speak about him after the Community Shield? I think we might have done. Um, and and we, we, we basically, I feel, wasn't I saying let's judge him after 10 games? I, I, I can't remember, maybe, I maybe I'm wrong. But I, 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 think, I think you're right. I think he's, um, there's something about him. He's got a lot of qualities. I know we mentioned that he could be this fox in the box and he's that the kind of player we want you know we we had it with uh, as you you said quite rightly a couple of ti- a couple of podcasts ago jack about eduardo and, and which which did work but then jeffers he was an absolute failure um could this be like a fox in the box type of player where he's almost like he he, he pops up in those areas where we we've been missing 
and he can finish off so many chances over the last how many God knows how many seasons we create, we create, we create, and it's with the same old story where we just don't have that last last you know touch, as Garrett said, or that last final bit of the third where we we finish finish a great you know run of play where we we do this very quick intricate passings that you know when when it works. There's not a team in the world that can live with us, but then it fails because we just don't have that player to put the ball in the net. And I think you're right. I think with him, he's almost nonchalant about it. I mean, look at the his opener, his debut. He was just like a little, you know, the header was a great header <clears throat> to, you know, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the lay on the, the, the assist from El Nani was good. But, you know, you know, Lacazette was in, in, a, was in great position and, you know, it was almost nonchalant the way he did it. And it, it, the way he just reacted and it's, it's like he can do this every day, as you said, without even thinking. And that was very similar. I mean, that was a rocket of a finish. I mean, it was a fantastic finish. I don't think there, was a, there would be a keeper in the world that could have seen, saved, saved, seen it, let alone saved it. I mean, it was just so powerful and fast. And if that's what we've got in our armory, and and you know when it when it works, and when 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 we are um, in a, in a position where we're all playing well, the attacks are going well, and um, I th- I think he could be devastating for us. I think he can yeah. turn games around. Um, <clears throat> you know, like we've been saying about Giroud coming on as this super sub who can who can change things. You know, I think we've finally found a player that can unlock our way of playing um, in the sense that our build up play can be rewarded now. With with a good finish and almost as if out sometimes some sometimes out of nowhere as well because he'll just pop up and he'll be in the right place and he'll and he'll put the ball in the net without even thinking about it and if he starts doing that on a regular basis I think that will give again that's essential it's almost infectious because it will give the other players around him that that confidence as well you know the attacking players and I think that can only sort of almost be a domino effect. And help our cause going forward. So, no, I completely agree. I think there's quite a lot about him. And also, he's strong. You know, he's strong and quick. And I think he's the kind of plays a little bit like Welbeck because I think I've seen evidence of it where he'll even track back and he'll help out. He'll try and mm-hmm. retrieve the ball. He'll defend from the front. So it's not, it's not just about him being a fox in the box kind of player, if that's the way we want to uh, sort of describe him. But he'll also do the hard work as well. So I think we've got a right, great player in Lacazette. Yeah, quietly very impressed with him. I think there's going to be uh, big things to come. we just got to be better with our final ball to him, you know, from wide That's areas. That's it, exactly. Ox, Bellerin, you know, Ox, for all the great work Ox does, he, he lacks what a brain at times. And, and just like, you know, it was frustrating. I saw him last few minutes yesterday, um, sorry, on Saturday. And, and then just, he does so much hard work, so much fantastic work Ox. Does two or three players. Um, and, but we need that final ball, especially into Lacazette, to be better because he will, he is deadly. He is absolutely deadly, I think. And, um, I mean, his stats say it, say it is, but when you start watching him for your own club, you, you look into it a little bit more, don't you? But, um, yeah, I agree. But then when we made the changes, Garrett, we, Wenger's way, and it worked fantastically against Leicester, so I'm not knocking it, is, is to pummel on forwards, isn't it? So we put Walcott on, we put a Wobi on, we take off, um, defensive players, and, um, we don't necessarily play a system at that point. But sometimes when it's earlier in the game, it didn't really work for us against Stoke. It, it, it creates a bit of panic almost. It's very erratic. And mm-hmm. because there's no real system, and they weren't really in the game at all, were we? And we didn't create much other than Giroud's late header, um, which was a fantastic chance. But we didn't really create much in the last 15 to 20, did we? No, I, I just, for me, I, I look at the players that were substituted off, and as uh, Jaka, maybe you could have taken them off to get a more attacking minded player, and they're like a Wobi because uh, Wobi's want to get on the ball and create something. I just don't feel like 
putting on Walcott for a player like uh, Lacazette was the right decision, especially um, like you know minutes before Lacazette buries that that ball uh, into the roof of the net, right? So so he just kind of felt what it was like to score, right? So he he wants to get that that again. He wants to get the ball. He wants to to put it back in there. And you take him off and you put on a player like Walcott to, I don't really know, a team like Stoke that's sitting so deep. I mean, Theo's never going to really break a team down one-two passing, uh, tight, intricate play. I mean, you know, it's, he's, he, that's not his game and we know that. So why, why, and he's not necessarily at, at this stage in his career, at least at this moment, going to score something out of nothing. So uh, they said that's the way it's kind of looking at the, at this point in time. And, and Lacazette is that player. So I, I mean, we have a player like, like Welbeck who works his socks off, but he can't necessarily put the ball in the net and uh, minutes, maybe, maybe 10, 15 minutes before the substitutions. He has a great opportunity to head a, a ball in from Ozil and he shoulders it over, over the that's roof right. of the net. You know, it's a, yeah. those, those are the things I look at that frustrate me about the substitutions that were made. And, and you know, if you want to get another wide player on in, in Walcott, then maybe take a, a wide player off like Welbeck, who for all of his great attributes also isn't going to necessarily be the guy that scores the goal that's going to bring us back into the game. And I, you know, Walcott might be that guy, but I just don't feel like taking off almost a surefire thing when he gets an opportunity to finish like Lacazette. And putting on a player like Walcott and keeping a guy like Welbeck on is is necessarily the right decision. I just feel like it was almost bad decision after bad decision from Wenger uh, mm. against Stoke. And it, whether it was setting the the lineup or the way the team played or or who came in for who at what point, I just don't necessarily think I agreed with everything. And I don't know that's uh you know it's hard for me to say because I like to support the what the boss does, and but I'm also fair and, and want to be critical of, of the decisions that I, I feel were not necessarily the right ones. And I think, uh, I think he was wrong with a couple of those, especially that yeah. one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. A great point. I mean, Walcott for Lacazette is a, is a, is a bit of a baffling one, especially when you saw that finish and, and how deadly he can be. I mean, when things get tighter and tighter in the box and they sit deeper and deeper, you, you, that, that's the player you want on the pitch, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, I agree with you. I completely agree with you on that. I felt he, when did get some decisions wrong, but you know, you know, we, 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 last week you got a lot of decisions right. So it's, yeah, you know, exactly. It's, the way it goes, it's, but it's the way it goes when we're chasing games, though. We do, we just don't want to, <clears> and, and that boils down to starting games correctly, playing better on the front foot, finishing our chances early, and and you know that goes down to that kind of stuff. So you know we've got to get that right first of all. When we start to chase games, things become riskier, and you know less room for error, and it's just frustrating. Both games we've been chasing, so. Mm-hmm. I change that, and we. But um, there's some great fans' questions, so let's go through it. Neil, first one. Thanks for the questions as well. You asked so many. It was people arguing on my feed. I, just, I had to turn off the notifications at one point because it just it was just like it, it was madness. I couldn't it keep up. It was madness. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of people just hating each other on it. But I, I was I was laughing from 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 afar. But thanks for the questions. Um, at Tyrone underscore seven one eight top man Tyrone. He gives us a few questions. I'm going to give one to Neil, one to Garrett. Um, Neil. Are Arsenal fans overhyping players? He doesn't mention names, but are our rose-tinted glasses permanently strapped to our faces, hence so hard for many to see objectively? It's an interesting point, Neil. Are we overhyping some of our players, specifically our top players, but players that you know are not maybe signed on contracts or other players that are in the team? Do you think they're overhyped from, from our fans? God, um, it's a good question. It's, I, th- I think it's quite subjective. I think if you ask 
if you pick 10 fans out, you're going to get a varied number of answers. It's it's a difficult one. So I, I think I can only ask it, answer it from my, my point of view. Um, and I just feel we may have been guilty of it, I think, I, I, over the years. I mean, you know, we, we, we put a lot of, for example, I'll, I'll pick out Theo Walcott as just an example. You know, he's a highly paid player. Uh, we, we, we feel that he was going to be the natural successor to Henri and he was, he would look brilliant when he was at Southampton. Everyone was excited when he came to Arsenal. And I guess maybe that is a bit of overhyping if you look at it that way. And ex- the expectation is there for him to be this 25 goal per season scorer and score in big games and, and r- run with, use his pace to be, to a devastating effect. And then look what happened. I mean, yeah, he had, he had some moments where he was awesome. He was, he was unfortunate maybe with a couple of injuries when he was playing well and that set him back. But overall, you know, maybe that you can look at it, someone like him and, and say maybe we overhyped him. We, we were talking about only a couple of seasons ago how we felt the same about someone like Oxlade. Um, I know, for example, Ozil is massively uh, a, topical, uh, a topic of debate with a lot of flat fans. Sometimes I think the fans are literally split right down in the middle with someone like Ozil. A lot of players absolutely love him to death. They 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 always they, they always say, look at him, look at his movement off the ball, and 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 you know he can he he does things almost like which go unnoticed, which people don't pick up on. Then there's the others that say that he doesn't care. He's he, even in in a game against Stoke, I think he's even criticised by Keown. You know, he's one of what he, I I listen to a lot of what Keown says, and I I take on board a lot of what he says. I think he's he's a great pundit and. Um, even he was he's very highly critical of someone like Ozil and saying he just wasn't there. You know, he's not he's not doing enough for me. And um, uh, he doesn't understand why, you know, someone like him was even even on the pitch for that game. But then I saw some highlights and I, I there was moments where I disagreed with because he did lay on a couple of great chances, which just, again, when we, we just talked about it, weren't finished. We didn't have the finishing product. So, you know, if, if on, on another day where that, that ball was converted into a goal and we went on to win the match, we wouldn't even be having this discussion about Ozil. So it's, it's a difficult one to, to say. And I think, for me, I, I don't like to say that I'm overhyping players because I, I firmly believe that we do have quality in our squad. I believe against Stoke, I think we, we, we do praise the manager a lot here on this podcast. And some people tend to not like that uh, for obvious reasons because of what's been happening over the last few years. But I, I actually believe that I'm going to say this. What I'm going to say is now, again, it might t- get a lot of criticism, but I think t- Wenger just tactically got it wrong against Stoke in, on many levels, as Garrett quite rightly said. I think on bringing on the substitutes, even the starting lineup, I just think he got it t- tactically wrong. And, and, you know, then it's difficult then to sit there blaming players. Um, uh, if they're all out of position and it's, it's, you know, we, we, we've, we've, in the past, we've gone on and said that Wenger doesn't experiment enough that he just sticks to one plan. He hasn't got a plan B. And then when he's starting to now experiment, he's now getting criticised for doing that if it doesn't work out. I, I still feel it's too early in the season. Uh, I know I'm going a bit off track with the question, but I think it's too early in the season. It's only the second game. Oh, did we lose, Neil? Oh, we're getting back. Garrett, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Hello, mate. Um, sorry, we'll get back to Neil. Um, actually, it's interesting Neil spoke about... Um um, Ozil, because I've got two questions. Well, I've got a lot more questions. It was all Ozil on my feed, but there's two questions coming in for, on it. Um, one from at S Z or Z underscore Guna saying, isn't it quite telling that there doesn't seem to be anyone who's bidding for Ozil? And then Tyrone also asked another question on Ozil saying, how would you feel if we 
obviously with the window being very closely um, um, imminently closing, saying if we sold Ozil tomorrow, replaced him with a modern-day Vieira, Petit or Gilberto, obviously not direct replacement, but replacing him, um, would you take that deal and why or why not? So what are your thoughts on that? I know you love the Ozil question, so I thought I'd throw both in there. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? So, I mean, I, I saw a lot of discussion too, and and... You know, I'm I'm trying to put bias aside because I think he's a brilliant player, and I, I I love the fact that he plays for Arsenal, and I love what he brings to the squad. Uh, I thought he played well. I mean, all in all, it, you know, there were maybe some some instances that were fifty fifties that he didn't win, but I mean, are we really surprised by that at this at this point? I mean, he's been with Arsenal for years now, and people seem to still be frustrated by that. It's just not the type of player he is, right? But at the same time, if Welbeck buries the uh, the header that he hits with his shoulder, and and Bellerin puts in uh, his opportunity, then Ozil gets two assists, and here we are singing his praises about the man that's created the most chances to date in the Premier League uh, that's currently playing. So we have that type of, you know, we say it all the time, he's a luxury player. We have that luxury of a player that's going to create these chances. Um, it's on the rest of the players, uh, his teammates, to make him look good to an extent. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I almost disagree with with wanting to sell him because of what he brings to the team in terms of his capabilities. But I also understand that there are physical things to his game that frustrate people. So with, with that also being said, um, I want to touch on the question about it being telling that nobody's in for him. We don't necessarily know that. Uh, we don't know what the club is putting putting out public or not. Uh, there may have been offers that have been made or maybe not. And, and, you know, they don't necessarily see any of the stories spinning up in the media about Ozil being offered by Bayern Munich or whoever, maybe Juventus or, or Barcelona. And X, you know, you take your pick, really. But a part of that wants me to believe that uh, that's because Ozil wants to stay and the club don't want to sell him. So you know, I, I, if we were talking about the transfer sagas of the summer, it's Alexis and Ozil, right? Or Oxley chamberlain if you want to throw him into the mix. But just for the conversation of the foreign players, I suppose, uh, Alexis seems to be the player that doesn't want to stay, but we're not going to sell him regardless. Uh, we're going to kind of swallow the fee uh, that we seem to be able to, to coop on him, and we're going to keep him for his talents, which I agree with, and that's, I suppose it's a different subject. But uh, at the same time, Ozil is a player, I think, that wants to stay at Arsenal. I think he likes playing for Arsene Wenger. I think he likes being in London. I think he likes uh, everything that has to do with playing for Arsenal Football Club. And if I was Ozil and making the wage that he's making and getting the luxuries that he has as well, I would I would want to stay at Arsenal too. And I know he respects the hell out of Arsene Wenger. Uh, so I, I know that was a huge factor in him even coming to the club in the first place. So if Arsene's still around, I think Ozil's still around. And I think the club want to retain him uh regardless so i i don't think it's a, a lack of offers i think it's a lack of desire by both parties ozil and arsenal to want to sell him uh it, it, that, that's my opinion and you think it's just figuring out the the the, the details of the contract is that is that what you presume yeah he's not signed I, as yet yeah i know i realize that and i think it's part of the i think it's details on the contract but i also think a lot of that has to do with us offloading players uh in, in terms of getting salaries off of the wage bill you know, we got players like uh, Debushi and Gibbs and Jenko and, and guys like that. Jenko was loaned today. And, and we have some Ramble, of these, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. quote, dead weight, dead wood players. You know, we got guys like Lucas Perez. And these guys, at you know, if you look at them individually, make, uh, I don't know, 75, 80, 90, uh, maybe less a, a week, right? But as a collective, that's 
uh, 150, a quarter million of dollars. And that's money that can be properly invested into the squad. So something tells me that there's been a bit of an arrangement saying, hey, okay, Mesut, this is what we're doing. We're getting rid of, you know, XYZ or looking to open up this much on the wage, on the wage bill. And we want to increase you to this, right? And then he's, there's probably some type of pre-agreement in place. And maybe I'm being a bit hopeful because I don't want to lose Ozil. But, um, I think that there's been an agreement made and it's just, it's paperwork at this point. It's, it's pen, it's pen to paper. Um, but, but there's also things that the club have to put in place in order to make that happen. I also feel like that's part, uh, that, that has a bit to do with Oxlade Chamberlain. I think that also has to do a bit with Alexis because we have such a big squad. We have such a high wage bill in terms of just the sheer amount of first team players that we have that we need to offload in order to open up the abilities to properly reinvest in some of the players that we already have, uh, not in, not not to mention the players that we need to go out and get with a couple of days left in the transfer window. Hmm. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you on the on the Ozil contract thing. I do have concerns. I mean, the fact that there is such a debate, like Neil mentioned, about Meza Ozil, a, a you know a, a guy that's won um, pretty much everything there is to win, makes us concerned that we're not getting the best out of Meza Ozil for whatever reason, or it's not the perfect fit. One thing I saw in the game was, I just don't know if we use him in the right way, in the sense that sometimes he's the peak of our press. and Not that we're pressing or we're doing the, you know, the press that everyone talks about, but he's the peak of it. Sometimes we leave Welbeck and Lacazette up top, and they've got the ball defensively, and Ozil is the peak of it, and he, he really doesn't do that role very well. He doesn't. There's no real desire for him to do that role. I'm not even sure we should be using him for that role. I feel like you'd much better off using Welbeck as the runner there and put Ozil out to the left at the point when we don't have the ball, and then we can interchange. But I'm watching that a lot, and I'm, I'm seeing that a lot, and it's very, very comfortable for Stoke to to move the ball forward for, from us, where we, you know, we know we're dangerous when we when we when we transition. And we, mm-hmm. we gain the ball at that position. So I just didn't like that. And I feel, you know, it's frustrating. Like you said, though, I mean, he's creating chances. I have my issues. I, I My issue more is, is sat with Wenger with Ozil um, at times. I don't necessarily... I think Ozil can be fan, absolutely fantastic. I just don't think he should be, you know, set for 90 minutes every game. No Correct. matter what. That's and what I, don't, I, I don't think any player should be. No. It's not just Meza Ozil. Um, um, no, but, but I've certainly discussed that because discussed that, I think it creates a problem with the team, the environment, and um, also with Meza Ozil in his head. I think, I think you'd get more out of Meza Ozil if you, if you took him off on those days where he's not so effective after 60 minutes. Well, that's and, the way that he's utilised in the German national team. And it's funny, it's funny that you mention that because in the German national team, not one player is guaranteed anything, right? They all have to go out and earn their position. And Mesut Ozil's position primarily is, is oftentimes on that left-hand side where he's not required to be a player that's peak of the press, right? He's a player that's off to the left-hand side. There's other players with, you know, maybe a bit more physically uh, adept to pressing the ball. And then when we win the ball back, or sorry, when Germany wins the ball back, uh, Mesut Ozil floats into the middle and into, an oper- into a space where he can create. And, and I feel like it... it it may be a bit of uh, misuse in terms of the tactical structure of the squad, um, in terms of the players, but at the, also at the same time, uh, you got to look at, at the players and say, "This is what your manager is requiring of you. Get it done." You know, so it, it, there, it's it's a bit, you know, um, double-edged blade there. You know, it, Wenger may not be be doing what's right for a player like Mesut Ozil. Mesut Ozil might be not fulfilling his requirements for a manager like Arsene Wenger. 
So, but but also we're looking at a manager who doesn't really seem to prioritize the defensive side of the ball as much as he does the offensive side of the ball. So, eh, it's it's a it's quite it's you know it's quite the, the discussion point. It is. It is. We can go on it all day, and it comes up a lot on our podcast. Every every three or four um, pods, we, we we do go back to a similar way of talking about it. But we've got some other great questions from Samrid Zucci, top man Samrid. Um, but we, well, I felt like we answered it. But it's a great question. Love Wenger back until the end, but hard to defend his team selection and his tactics. Two left backs at centre back. Ivor Cannon also says the same thing. And uh, great questions, but we we did discuss them. Um, at AFC underscore AFC underscore seven. Adam Cunningham says. Um, why do the FA hate us? I want a really long debate on this. Oh so, Neil, Neil, do, I mean, I, um, you know, I do look at it and sometimes think we're harshly done by. But like we said, you know, we, we try to look at the whole game as such. Um, you know, things like, you know, seeing Mike Dean ref our games every, every, every week or every other week is a bit odd, you know, when you've seen what, what's, what's happened with him in the past. Um, and, and, you know, we were harshly done by with those decisions. But I still think it's a game-by-game basis, um... Um, Neil, um, and and I feel like we 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 can we can be better than that. Do you know what I mean? I agree. Sorry, first, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear. Oh, you. perfect. Okay, <laughs> I didn't want to ramble on, and then you couldn't hear me. So no, I I agree, Jack. I I think we can very easily sort of lay the blame elsewhere. Always FA media always giving us stick uh, decisions, which we've talked about at length today, uh, which haven't gone our way. Uh, all sorts of plethora of variables which which other than talking about the actual players and the manager and to be honest with you yes those things can come into play on occasion there's no doubt about that I'm not going to deny it for a second we can get a decision which can cost us dearly we can get a, uh, a you know a referee which always tends to maybe be that little bit biased against us which we have seen I'm not going to say that that isn't true because it's been evidenced and we've seen it and um, you know people can say to me you're talking bullshit but I don't think I am I mean you look at that game when we could have gone 50 games unbeaten I mean you can just look at 10 minutes of that footage and you can see how harshly we were done by the referee uh, in that game and I know that's going back a few years now but I'm just using that as an example Um, but what I'm trying to say is I think really at the end of the day it's still 90 minutes of play and in those 90 minutes, the players, the managers' tactics all have a massive, massive bearing on the game. And uh, you can't just every single game say it was, wasn't the players' fault, it wasn't the manager's fault. You've got to lay blame also uh, on, on, on the players at times and the manager's selection at times and the manager's tactics. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I understand that. We don't know the preparation. We don't know what's going on with players uh, in their personal lives because... Uh, for example, that was evidence with Cockland where he had that, he, he went off form last season and he's actually come out and said he had some personal things that hopefully now he's got over and he's now trying to re- regain his form. You know, all of that, I understand, you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than us just talking on a podcast and trying to understand and, and make decisions and, 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 and analyze what's going on, uh, you know, and, and be, and, and be quite right about that. I think, I think there's more to it than all of, all of the, all, all appears on the surface. But you can't just lay blame on, on, on decisions and things. Though no, I don't agree with that. I think, you know, 90 minutes, as I said, is a long time. We have to be accountable as, as a club and as, as the players and, and the manager to turn things around if things aren't going well, uh, even if a decision goes against you. I think now in this day and age, that's part and parcel of the game. And, you know, we're going to get, as I said before, decisions that go for us as well, which shouldn't have done. 
So I think that sort of levels itself out over the over the course of the season. Yeah, no, I understand. And um, Del Boy also says the original Del Boy says, "Are we more naive than other supporters to think referees hate us more than other teams?" Which is a good point. You know, you you talk to other fans, they're feeling it as well. You know, they're feeling decisions are going against them. You know, you're talking to Liverpool fans. I talk to them a lot. They they feel a lot of decisions go against them. Um, so it's hard. Obviously, in this game, I do feel we were harshly done by. If you look at the, all those decisions, yeah, we, we, but, we were. But you know, there's there's other games where, where where I've seen it, especially last season, where where the boot was on the other foot. And we got a little exactly. bit lucky. So, so you know, I, I I you know, I'm not sure. I believe totally the agenda, but I don't think we're we're, we're necessarily thought of as fondly as some of the top clubs. You know, you talk about the Manchester United of this world, um, but but you know, I you know, over the course of the season. You know, we have to look at ourselves. Can I just make one quick point on that as well? Just on this particular game, you, you think about when the goal was scored again, literally from kickoff of the second half. How many goals have we scored or conceded straight off from the off like that? Apparently, last season we were the second highest to let goals in in that that time frame, coming out of the second half and conceding a goal. Um, I think there was only one other club. It might be Watford that had, had had done it, you know, more times. But we were the second highest. In the whole of the whole of the whole, you know, in the whole uh, league, to do that, um, and I've and I've always said that the players have to be switched on from mid second one to the final second, no matter how long injury time is in any one game. And I think it's just that being about not not being uh, sort of cold and a little bit sort of slow to start. We've got to be on it right from the start of any 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 point in the game. And I think that's also you know a big part of of why we're struggling in certain matches. Yeah, it was just so sloppy, wasn't it? I mean, Jacker probably didn't even think it was his fault when the goal went in, and it wasn't just his fault. But it was such a simple ball, wasn't it? And we did that quite a few times. We became sloppy, and and you know, just very simple stuff that in training they probably do easy. But that was a very simple ball, got too close to Ozil, and 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 overran it. And it's something as small as that, like you said, that that can lead to something. But there's some other great questions. I want to whiz through them. But great, uh, Julio at Julio Guno asks. We've got a lot of con- contracts running out, Garrett. If a player runs out his contract for, um, and runs it down for a big payday, it, aren't we at risk of them not giving 100% in case of a serious injury? And that created a long argument with, with a few guys. Um, what do you think about that question, Garrett? I don't think that... To me, that doesn't really make sense because if I'm a player in a contract season, um, I'm going to want to do whatever I can to get that next big payday, whether it be at my current club or the next club. Uh, so if, 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 if I'm a player in that position, I'm not taking any days off. Uh, I'm going out there to try and uh, prove not only to my current, my current club, but other, other clubs that may be a suitor to me, uh, that I am worth their investment. Um, so I, you know, to me, like a player like Alexis, I don't think you know, he could go out there and play for free. Uh, he's going to go out there and give a hundred percent. It doesn't really matter. But if I'm a player like, uh, Oxley Chamberlain, for example, um, I'm not going to want to miss games no matter what position I'm playing. And, and if I am out there, I'm going to want to prove to my current club, Hey, give me the pay that I'm asking for, or I'm going to go out there and try and prove to another club who may be looking at me. Uh, I'm the next best player that you need to pay me what I'm asking for. So, uh, I, I think if a player goes out there with the mentality of taking time off, they're only hurting themselves. And, you know, football at the end of these days to, uh, at these days to, to then at the end of the day to, to these guys rather is a business and they're going out there to try and make their living, right? No matter how ridiculous that living may be to the, to, you know, average Joe like me, you and, and Neil. But, um, 
regardless, these guys want to want to get paid and getting paid to them is performing. So they have to perform every single time they're out there. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. So it was an interesting point. I never really looked at it like that, but no, you make good points. Um, Eddie Mwanza asked loads of questions at Mwanzaholic, top man, but I'm just going to throw out one uh, of his because we're running out a little bit of time. I've only got, I've got other people that have asked questions too, but thanks mate. Um, with 10 days or so to go, who would you be looking to bring in and where? Um, if you were the manager, Neil, do you think we're bringing anyone in? And um, is there anyone in, in in mind? But if there isn't, where do you, where are you looking at for? Is it still that centre midfield slot? Do you think we're going to get anyone? Um, I think yeah, I think we, we've already discussed it. I, I think Eddie, thanks for the questions. Um, yeah, centre midfield. I believe I think we're we're okay up front. Um, again, we, there is this massive uh, question mark over Alexis, whether what he's going to be doing. But I've I've heard that he's actually starting against Liverpool. So I don't know that 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 sets in stone something that suggests that he's going to stay for the season. Um, if that being the case, I don't think we need anything up front. I think we've got plenty up there. Um, defensively, well, we've lost Gabriel now. I mean that came as a bit of a shock to me. We haven't spoken yeah. about that yet. Yeah, but we've actually, bit, we've lost Gab, and I, I'm actually quite disappointed with that. I've, you know, I've, I've always liked him. I know he has had his moments where he hasn't played well at all, but I thought that new formation he was doing well in when he, when he came in um, and it suited him. And I'm just, I'm actually quite disappointed. So I don't know whether now we might need to be thinking about that position, uh, maybe another centre-back. I don't know. I think we've still got quite a lot there. You know, we've got Callum Chambers, but there's, there's talk about him going on loan, so I, I'm not so sure what's what's happening uh, in regards to that. The defensive uh, uh, areas, but I still think if we were to get one player in, I think maybe maybe the with the centre midfield position where we discussed that. I think in the last pod, I think that's where we would need to get someone in if we were to get anyone in. But do you know what? I've got this feeling he's not going to buy anyone. I don't know. I know you said Jack, you think there's still one up his sleeve. But I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not so I sure. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think he keeps I, talking getting, about removing, doesn't he? he removing just keeps talking players. About thinning, Correct. thinning, thinning, and you're worried yes. that that's going to go on and on and on. Yes. And maybe you know we just don't, and it's very quiet. Even the Alexis stuff is is very quiet to the point where very. I'm even believing he's staying. And I thought he's been going under mm. the card all, all uh, summer long. But mm. like you said, I would like a central midfielder. What about you, Garrett? Would you? And also the Chambers. Chambers isn't isn't injured. So the odd thing is people saying that Chambers has been picked over Gabriel. If that's the case, then he's not even seen near the squad. So Yeah, that's uh, an odd one, Callum yeah, Chambers. An odd, uh, it's an odd one. So presumably what Neil said of him going out loan is still possible. But then that leaves us a little bit lighter really? centre-back. Especially which... if we stay with five at the back or you know three at the back, however you want to look at it. But I feel yeah. like the, I feel like getting rid of uh, if Gabriel almost cemented Chambers into the squad, at least for the season. And I don't even know really what that means for his kind of the way he's going to contribute to the squad because when we have Lauren Koscielny out on suspension, Gabriel's just sold. Apparently, Per Murdersacker isn't fit. Rob Holding doesn't travel with the squad. Where does that leave Callum Chambers? I, I don't really know why he's not there. We only had one defender on the bench. You know, we play with three at the back. It's kind of it's an interesting one. Don't really know what the manager sees with uh, with Callum for this season. Yeah, do you think we need a a, um, a central midfielder still? I do. Oh, I, do. I I, I kind of dream of signing Leon Goretzka from Schalke. I, I think he's a, a a player that would fit or tick a lot of the boxes and tidy on the ball and creative and kind of just like another archetype uh, Wenger signing a young promising German uh, who 
who isn't really necessarily on the radar, but you know, gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of praise uh, over in Germany and with the national team. I feel like he'd be a good signing for us, and he's a big physical guy too. Something that maybe we lack in the in the midfield uh, at times. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he he's like El Nenny 2.0. You know, he's t- he's that type of a player where he can keep things ticking and he's tidy. And, and I would just be uh, pretty happy if we could if we could wrap something up like that. I, I see some stories leaking every once in a while about Schalke trying to uh, bat away offers for Leon Goretzka from Arsenal because they're not quite uh, surprise surprised the value that they would like for him. <laughs> feel like that's kind of a running joke that will never go away yeah yeah i hope we get someone in in order for us to do that will be another player we need to remove whether it's jack wilshire or or someone else well let me ask you jack why why not jack wilshire why can't he be that player you know well i mean i watched him today he had a great little punch up did you see that yeah Yeah, grab grab someone by the neck yeah yeah he proper got stuck in he did got (laughs) sent off well, well, he's, I, he's, I, he's, as soon as I saw it, I was like, get him in the He's team. the undercard for the uh, Mayweather and uh, McGregor <laughs> fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, do you know what, mate? I mean, we all, we've all said it until we're blue in the face, haven't we? If he came back to any kind of form, um, you know, you, you don't need to sign someone. And uh, uh, But I'd be very surprised. There are rumours that Wenger's been really liking what he's seeing with Jack. But I watched him against Derby. I don't know if you watched the game against Derby. Mm-hmm. Very nice touches. It did look like Derby were being, not told, but they were sitting off him massively. He wasn't getting contacted, but clearly, um, was it City we played? Yeah, they didn't give a shit. And, um, you know, it was a challenge. It was a bad challenge on Jack, but, you know, he's got to be able to deal with that, obviously. But I'd love it to be him. I would love it to be him, but, uh, and if he doesn't sign someone, he's obvious, and Jack stays, he obviously believes it is going. He is going to play a big part. So. You know, and who are we to say that, that he's not, he's certainly got the quality? We just don't know whether he he can fulfill it and stay fit. Yeah, but you know what? If, yeah. if I'm if I'm Jack Wilshire and I'm coming back into fitness, and some guy, some you know little shithead from City on the U23 team come and does that to me, I'm gonna let him feel it too. You know, yeah. especially especially when I'm coming back from another injury, back at the Emirates for the first time in God knows how long, and you know he wants to be out there. You know, he yeah. wants yeah. to be playing for Arsenal. So yeah. I, I see all these stories coming out from. You know the fucking mirror and the sun and uh, BBC even and ESPN saying how oh, this is a match that Jack wants to forget and incidents that will plague Jack Wilshire's his you know his career and it's just oh, such crap and it, it drives me crazy because you know regardless of, of of him going after whoever the hell that was I don't even think the kid's name has been released and I hope it I hope it isn't uh, you know I hope it doesn't become relevant because of this. Uh, it, I think he was, you know, rightfully so, uh, went after him. I mean, he, he's, he, to him, his body is his greatest asset and it, it's been failing him. So when he's trying to come back in the fitness and, you know, this little kid comes after him and, and gives him a late one, I don't even know why. I, I think it was completely justified. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Jack Wilshire, uh, on, on Twitter just now. I'm going to read it for you guys real quick. It's pretty, oh, I saw it. He yeah. replied to the sun, did he? Yeah, he said, hey, evening, yeah. Sam. Intrigued to hear uh, more about how you think this is a career low for me. We'd love to sit down and chat. Looking forward to it. So <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope something comes from that one. I, I, I really do. But I also hope that something comes from Jack's recovery because I, Jack Wilshire has been a longtime favorite of mine and for, for more reasons than one. But I just feel like he... 
encapsulates everything that Arsenal miss at times. And yeah, I, I think... You, I mean, you, you make a great it, point. Sorry to interrupt you, but you make a great point about, you know, with all this uncertainty, with players not wanting to play for us, contracts up in the air, how great would it be to have a die-hard gooner come back into the team who, who you, you know, you don't question the love for the club, like you said. Mm-hmm. It'd be amazing. Like time, you know, time and again, we... we, we ask ourselves is is this the year that jack's going to be the guy for us right and it gets frustrating and eh, people are starting to say oh just freaking sell him then you know like we can't constantly be well, like that's what him. that's that's what we used to do with walcott though wasn't it that's the thing we used to say yeah. it's going to be this year so but no i, I agree quality, but yeah, i feel yeah, like I can... I, no true he doesn't have the true. quality that jack potentially has true. which is the frustrating part that's the key word is potential but you can see it with him and also i think just what I love about Jack is his desire to want to play for Arsenal, right? It, it, even though this is his last, correct me if I'm wrong, this is his last year on his contract. He's kind of one of those players that are flying under the radar because it needs to be renewed. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, uh, he's got a year after this one, but regardless, you, you just kind of feel like it doesn't matter. You know, Jack will always be there if we want him to be there. And, you know, it's sadly the only player that's fit and has the same mentality right now is Jenko. So God bless him. I love him, but. Yeah, but how you know, we, is that? You know, how I know we, we need a player oh, like Jack. I mean, you look at it and you say we want a central midfielder, but if just one of Santi or Jack comes good, and it's a big mm-hmm. if, it's a massive if. But if just one of them does, we're all right. We're actually we're better yeah. than all right. We're 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 getting back to something really serious, you know. So mm-hmm. it's just oh, it's, you know, you just oh, I want it to be that, but we don't know the ins. That's what Wenger's there for. He's watching them every day. He's going to make that call and. I yeah. Just, yeah, but I, he said I, he wants to keep him, so I, I I take him for his word on that one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that will be. Yeah, you know, time will tell. We got what ten days left or so, and we'll find mm. out. But yeah, fingers crossed. We got a few other questions. Mark Stephen Cooper said, "Are we really same old Arsenal this, this season, or are we just having a slow start?" We did touch on that um, about you know not going overboard for two games in. It is another slow start though, Mark, and we're a little bit concerned about that. So that's a little bit concerning. But but um, we'll, we'll we'll move on from that one. But thanks, Mark. For that one, um, Charles underscore eighty seven says um, purely attacking failure against Stoke. Not he didn't feel it was as, as a defensive failure. Should we reassess Meza and Danny's role in the starting lineup? Um, I think we just lost Neil, but Garrett, do you think we'll reassess Danny's um, role? Presumably, that that's a straight swap with Alexis once Alexis fit, isn't it? Uh, yeah, possibly. I think Danny might be the one that makes way for him. But at the same time, Danny does a lot of good stuff for us. But we can't. Um, I, it's, it's funny because we look at Ozil as a luxury player because of the, the physical side of the game that frustrates us. But it's almost like Danny's a, the Welbeck is a, is a luxury player as well because he brings so much great physicality to the team, but no real end product. And it's hard to want to carry that as well. So I, I think he might be when we're coming off of a, of a match where we lack end product. I think he might be the one that makes way for a player like Alexis. Yeah, yeah, agree with you on that one. Um, probably going to happen, back. but again, we'll see. He's back. Neil's back in the building. And Neil, uh, uh, you're back just for the prediction. So let's get on. I think we got we got through all the questions. Apologies if we didn't. I tried to like every one of them. My Twitter's changed, and I, I'm very finding very difficult to find everything that's been tweeted. But thank you for the questions. And Neil, big game next week. I think it's a Sunday game. I want to say it's four p.m. away at Anfield. Again, um, it's going to be a very tough game. You expect to see changes more. Hopefully a more familiar back three or a back five this time around. But again, players that are going to be coming in that haven't played much. Koscielny did not play much in pre-season. You'd expect him to come straight back in, though. Um, Neil, what's your prediction and your first score? 
Um, yeah, you're right. I, I hope we see a bit, a bit of a, a familiar lineup, maybe a better shape. Players playing in the positions that they, they sh- you know, would be suited for. Um, so uh, all fingers crossed for all of that. And uh, it's going to be a tough, tough game. But I'm still going to be positive. I'm going to go for two one, and I'm going to go with Lacazette. Like it. I love that actually, Garrett. What about you? Did we lose Garrett? I don't know. Oh, let's see if we lost him. Oh, he's going to hate it. He loves a prediction, Garrett does. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I've, I've cut off a couple of times. I'm a bleeding poxy. The alarm to wake me up has been going off. No, no, you're all right. Or are we, we either lost him or he's muted himself, one or the other. But um, it looks like we're still on the line. I don't know what happened to him. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll go with my prediction. What about yours position, Dom? I'll go with my prediction. I'm going to go, I think, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think Liverpool, you know, they've got to win. Their front four is scary, especially with our back four. It does... Um, it does concern me a little bit. I'm going to go 2-2 draw. And okay. um, I'll say... I still can't see Alexis coming back into the team. I know you're saying it's going to happen. I'm going to say Welbeck for first scorer. So I'll go with that one. Okay. And um, and we'll see how we go. And then Garrett, I still don't think he can hear us. So we're going to we'll get his prediction offline. But just before we go, thanks for everyone tuning in. Um, I know we had Cisco talk and he talked greatly about football purists. The last thing I want to say is on the store, go and look on the website, have a look at the clothing and things like that. Like we said, we don't want to, um, you know, ask you for donations and things like that. But but if you can purchase something, it helps us keep the podcast alive, helps us keep the website alive. A lot of people put a lot, a lot of time to post this feed and, and, and change the logos and the music and try to keep the sound better. We always have a struggle with the sounds. Um, so we really appreciate that. Um, let me just double check if Garrett's here. Are you here, Garrett? No, we've lost him. We've definitely lost him. So we'll get him back oh, on. That's uh, a shame. Get him back onto the next podcast. But follow us yeah, at Purely Arsenal. Um, we'll be tweeting a lot of stuff tomorrow about the launch of the new website and the new logos. And hopefully, you like our new sound that's coming out. Um, and just, just, just give us feedback. You always give us feedback, but give us feedback on what you think of the, of the sounds and, and stuff. So Garrett has just tweeted me and said three two Meza Urzil as his prediction. So we'll end on that note. I like. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah, I love that. Um, but he can hear everything, but he just cannot speak. He's, 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 he's muted. He's like Steve Bold. Uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> love it. All right, boys. But yeah, but, I just I just want to thank thank all the listeners for all their support over the years. I always do say something like that on the on Twitter, but just want to say it on the podcast as well that they've been brilliant. And you know, uh, it looks like um, the, the 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 guys behind Football Purists are doing some amazing stuff. You know, you 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 yourself included, Jack and Ali, and and all the rest of. The, the team, you know, and it looks like, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting times for us. So um, just for the listeners, just continue what you're doing. And, and we're always, always so humbled and, and taken aback by your support and feedback. It's amazing every single time we put a podcast out and even in between as well. So um, just want to say thank you to everyone concerned and everyone who joins in and everyone who's involved in the podcast. Perfect. And Garrett's having a look on our website as we speak, and he said, go check it out. Go check out the minimalist shirt that we've got on there. He's absolutely loving it. Brilliant. I'm purchasing. I'm I'm purchasing just like you guys. I'm donating. I'm purchasing. And I'm going to get one for every day of the week, wearing it to work and everything. I'm, I'm loving it. So... Um, no, thanks, Neil. Thanks for coming up, um, coming on early, and we'll be back uh, straight after Liverpool game. We're looking to come back straight on after Liverpool game, so hopefully get a podcast out there pretty soon after it. So uh, appreciate it, and keep it Arsenal. Keep the faith. We're going to bounce back this week. Come Don't on, you worry. guys. We'll be we'll back.
the sheer euphoria pouring out from everyone, managers, players, supporters. How about that? How about that?